Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, everybody, glad you're here. If you're here for the first time, first time in a long time, we are delighted uh, to have you with us. It's so exciting because I believe that uh, God has arranged and orchestrated and maneuvered in your life to get you to show up here today. He is at work to something good, something beautiful in your life. And you know what we want you to know about this church? Our arms are wide open to every kind of person from every kind of situation. Um, And we respect wherever you are in your journey with Jesus, particularly if you're a teenager and your parents force you to come or they take away the car keys. We're glad you're here. Um, I, I welcome the married couple whose uh, relationship's in real struggle, and you think you're the only one. Yeah, right. Uh, But you're welcome here to the single and the widowed and the divorced. Um, You're welcome here. Uh, The heart of God, the house of God, is wide open at Central Christian to everyone, wherever you are on your journey uh, with him. We thank you for coming. Uh, Would you bow your head with me? Yeah. Uh, Right now, please. Father, we just open our hearts and the doors of this church to the widest array of people possible, and you bring black people and brown people and white people and Asian people, and you bring broken people and whole people and people who who don't know squat about your word and, and people who are presently devouring your word in their lives. Right now, all we care about is hearing from you, through your word, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, when you go out, you've caught us on the very front end of a new teaching series called Game Changer. We believe that God, what he's after is to take your life from wherever it is to a whole new place on a new trajectory to the super abundant life of Jesus. Now, I gather with a bunch of guys in my home. We go through this study guide. You can do it Uh, In your home, you can do it with your spouse, you can do it with some friends, you can do it with your whole family, but I want you to grab one of these as you leave, because you will retain 85% more than if you just sit here and listen uh, to me, that if you're in a small group discussing the message, discussing the theme game changer, it will change your life. So find a friend, find a group of friends. Um, If you don't have any, I'll buy you one. But grab one of those study guides. Now, this game-changer deal, um, well, let me just get us all on the same page by showing you an example of a game-changer. Watch this with me. Are you kidding me? (laughs) You know, that's what I want people to say when they look at your life. When they look at your finance, they go, are you kidding me? When they look at your relationships, are you kidding me? That's what I pray with my Debbie every night. I say, God, are you kidding me? Look what you've done in our finances. God, are you kidding me? Look what you've done for our children and our grandchildren. God, are you kidding me? Look what you've done at Central Christian Church. Now, just a little background. That was 2010, the playoffs, the Seahawks against the Saints. 
And that just broke the game wide open. Three minutes left. Did you notice Marshawn Lynch stumbling as guys hit him as he came through the line? But he kept moving forward. That's a game changer. Even as he moved down the field, tacklers were being stripped from him. He, he pushed that one guy back on his butt. You know, and, and this is just a great illustration of how a game changer competes in life. The Word of God says it this way, let us throw off every tackler. Get off of me. That slows us down, especially the sin. I got to strip before you leave today. I want you to put off your sin. I'm determined to put off my sin today. That stuff that wants to trip me up in my marriage, wants to trip me up in my money, wants to trip me up in my mind, in my emotion. I want you to push off that stuff that's killing you. Let us throw off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this run the race, strip the junk off by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, the ultimate game changer on whom our faith depends. You see, when, when you're dealing with physical health struggles, you don't try to get a bigger faith. You get a bigger relationship with Jesus. When you're going through a financial reversal, it's not about getting back on your feet by getting more faith. It's by building your relationship with Jesus. Marshawn Lynch, in that video from uh, nine years ago, that moment in that game did not happen overnight. He'd gone through years of taking significant action, significant disciplines, significant practices in his life so that when his moment came, he could be a game changer. And the same is true uh, for us. We, do, we become game changers as we do game changer behaviors. We practice the principles of God's Word. We practice through prayer. We practice through our kindness. We practice through the generosity of our giving. And as we pile experience and behavior on top of practice after discipline, when we have our moment to be a game changer in our marriage, to be game changer in our finances, in our parenting, and in our personal lives, we are ready. We are ready. They're going to hit us. They're going to come after us from every direction, but we are going to keep moving forward, stripping off the sin that so easily entangles. Now, let me give you a different definition. This is from the Urban uh, Dictionary of Game Changer. A game changer um, actually is not a person it's the behavior practiced by the person, rehearsed by the person, disciplined within the person. It's the behavior. A game changer behavior is a significant, not some insubstantial, not some unimportant. It's a significant action, usually the result of a successful plan that changes the entire course of a person's life. Here's your life. When you do game-changer behaviors, now, as you come back over the course of the next six weeks, beginning today, we are going to share you God's plan of success. We are going to give you game-changer 
behavior after game changer behavior to take your life from right here, put you on a whole new trajectory so that you begin to experience and live in the super abundant life of Jesus. He said, the whole reason I came to this planet was to give you life. Now, that's a gift. Giving is, is bestowing a gift. A gift is meant to be enjoyed. A gift is for free. He gives us this free gift of life, but he goes on and say, and that life, super abundant. That's what happens as we make these behaviors, these significant actions, a part of our lifestyle. You see, maybe you feel like you've been knocked down. You didn't make it past the line of scribbage. You feel like you've been pushed back and thrown for a loss. You feel like you've been beat up and beat up and beat up. You feel like the clock is running out on you. This is not the time, friends. I know you've come with your struggles because I've prayed with many of you that have told me your struggles this morning. And that could go all across this room. But in the midst of your struggle, whatever it feels like, this is not the time to give up or to give in, to back off, or to have one of them breakdowns. No, it's time for a supernatural power God breakthrough. You break through the struggle. You break through the grief. You break through the difficulty. You break through the hard time. You break through the hurt all the way to healing. Break through the brokenness all the way to wholeness. You break through the rejection all the way to the love of God. You do break through. What's needed is God's plan for supernatural breakthrough. Now, let's go back to our definition again. A game changer is a significant, say significant, Yeah, these things that I share with you that are part of God's successful plan, these are huge. They cannot be neglected. They are not to be ignored. They are not options or suggestions. They are significant behaviors, a part of God's plan for success that will change the entire course. Put your life, your marriage, your finances on a whole new trajectory so that when you pray at night, you say, oh my God, are you kidding me? Look what you did in my money. Look what you did in my job. Look what you did in my family. Look what you did with my joy. Look what you did with my faith. Now, the number one, we're going to go through these in terms of their importance and priority week after week, and hopefully you'll be in one of our groups. You'll form a group and talk about it each week with some friends just like I will my buds, but here's the number one. This is it, and this It's not just like a one and done. This is a lifestyle of worship. The number one significant game changer action for breakthrough is worship. So those of you that stopped me and asked me to pray with you, we thank God. We, I thank God that you are here bringing your struggle to worship, bringing your pain to worship, bringing your hurt to worship, bringing your loss to worship, bringing your painful impossibility to worship. And I'm not talking about one and done worship. Um, maybe you say, well, David, what's the big deal about worship? Well, you're not the only person to ask that question. For most people in our country, worship is not a big deal. Most people do not worship at all. And even the average churchgoer, notice I did not say Christ follower, because Christ followers follow Jesus in the worship every weekend. No excuses, no exceptions. They don't call in sick. They crawl in sick, and we put them off in a sick section all by themselves. 
No, worship is meant to be a, a lifestyle. The Word of God says that it was the habit of Jesus to be in worship every weekend without fail. And that's going to be our habit. It's got to be a lifestyle. Just like we are willing to go to work every day or school every day, we've got to be willing to be in worship every weekend. That's the game changer in your life. Look what Scripture says. God is making you an offer. He's offering you a powerful proposition for your life and all aspects of your life. Here's how he says it. Today. Say today. Because as he talks to you, he means before you leave this room, before the opening kickoff, before you eat lunch, before your hand hits the, 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 the door of your car to open it up to head off to wherever you're going, he says, today, right now, I'm giving you a choice between life and death. He's not talking about life that you were born into, or when you go to your grave, death. No, he's talking about the super abundant life of Jesus, super abundant joy, super abundant peace, super abundant power from God that changes things, super abundant relationship with Jesus. That's life. And the death he's talking about is worse than, than being in the grave. He's talking about everlasting death. He said, I'm giving you a choice today between life and death, between prosperity or disaster. Do you know the? Do you notice the extremes God uses? If you choose right, man, it's going to be awesome. It's going. You're going to prosper in your marriage. You're going to prosper in your emotions. You're going to prosper in your finances. That's the way our God works. But on the other extreme, He said, "I got to warn you. I got to warn you." On the other extreme is disaster in your relationships. Disaster uh, emotionally and financially. For I command you. This is not a suggestion. This is not an option. He so loves you that he's just telling you straight, you got to do this. I command you this day to love, worship the Lord your God so that, look at this, so that you will live. I'm talking about really live. I'm talking about live exuberantly and be blessed by God. That's what happens when it's your lifestyle to be in worship. You are in the flow of real life, abundant life, exuberant life, and be blessed by God. Now, you miss a weekend of worship, you're stepping out of that flow. Miss two weekends of worship, you're just putting more distance between yourself and true life, real life, exuberant life, and being blessed by God. And people, when they're way over here out of the flow, they're like, hey, why does JoJo get a blessing? And I'm like jacked up out of luck. Look how far you are from the worship of God. When you are here, you live in every step away. Weekend after weekend is a step closer to death. In fact, uh, the, the author of Hebrews writes this way, let us not avoid worshiping. Oh, let us be attracted to worship. Let us overcome every excuse. Let us overcome every obstacle. Let us not avoid worshiping together as some do. The average U.S. churchgoer goes once a month. Oh, my gosh. That ain't right. Look at them. Here's the flow, the possible blessing of God, real life, exuberant of life, and they're like stepping away, stepping away, stepping away once a month. This is how far they fall. It's hard to grow when you're right here. It's hard for God to bless you when you're right here. It's hard to experience exuberant life right here. You got to get back in the flow. 
Um, here's what the book of Revelation says. It says, God, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. This is why we worship. God is the creator of all things. And more than that, here's what Scripture says. God, you created everything, the earth, the sky, the sea, all that's in them. You made everything out of nothing so that nothing's too hard for you. It's too hard for me, but that's why I'm worshiping you with this painful impossibility because it's not too hard for you, oh God. Nothing is too difficult for you. It's why I wore my Colorado clothes. Today we were on vacation uh, this September, we were in uh, Colorado in the mountains to see the colors uh, change. This is my favorite ghost town uh, shirt. We stayed in this ghost town once uh, in a cabin, no electricity, no running water, uh, outhouse out back, and the place was infested with chipmunks. <laughs> but it was $12.50 a night, so that's where we stayed. And we should have great memories from that. Uh, this is uh, my favorite Colorado t-shirt because it only cost 15 bucks. But every day we were there, I looked at the beauty around me. 30 years ago, we climbed those mountains. Now we get out of the car and take pictures. Um, but we see the beauty and we say, oh my gosh, that's the beauty of God. We see the majesty and say, oh my gosh, that's the majesty of God. We see creation in its resplendent. Some of those pictures. There aren't very many pieces of wilderness like that anymore. Our favorite camping place with that beaver dam. You could still go there. It reminds me of Psalm 23 that he lays us down in green pastures right beside still waters. Except that one time. I saw that beaver swimming in a little pond before the dam. And I took a step forward. It slapped its tail and I wet my pants. <laughs> ah! No, creation shows us the beauty, the majesty, the power of God. Uh, you don't have to go to Colorado. I got up yesterday morning at uh, 6.45, went out of my driveway, and the sky was lit up on the eastern horizon. I said, thank you, God. That's just a hint. That's just a glimpse. That's just a glimmer of how beautiful I worship you in your beauty and your majesty. And so we say, I didn't create that sunrise. I didn't create those mountains. I don't turn the, the, the aspen from green to gold. I don't create those pieces of wilderness. God does. So we say, not to us, Lord. Not to us. Look at that, twice, not to us. It's doubly emphatic. Let's get this straight, David. He is God, and you are not. He is creator, and you are not. It's his beauty. It's his power. It's his majesty. You see, the, book, the, the Bible did not begin with the words, in the beginning, me, or in the beginning, you. It began with the words, in the beginning, God. Everything, always and only, is all about God, that's the attitude, that's the perspective, that's the awareness of someone who is living in the flow of worship as a lifestyle. When you're over here, you're over here because you think life is all about you. And maybe you show up once a month and you don't get much out of it because it's got to be layer after layer. Just like Marshawn Lynch from the time he was a little boy, practice after practice, in the gym, in the gym, rehearsal, execution, rehearsal, execution, discipline after discipline. And then when he gets his breakthrough moment, bam, he's the winner. He shrugs off every attacker and scores. 
That's the possibility for us in every aspect of our lives. Just staying in worship and staying in worship and staying in worship. You see, here's what happens. Faithful worship doesn't just make you a better person. It does make you a better person. Because in this flow, in this flow, you, you, you receive love. You begin to be characterized by patience and peace and goodness and kindness. And, but it also makes you better at life. It's not just that you're a better person because you're here every weekend. You get better at life because what happens when you're here every weekend and you open your heart fully to God, he just opens himself fully to you and pours, pours out all that you need and more. In fact, Scripture says our God is able to do abundantly in your marriage, exceedingly in your parenting, um, immeasurably in your finances, more than you can ask. And I can ask for a lot or imagine you can dream a lot according to his power that's at work within you. I'll be real with you. It's not about my dreams or your ability to ask. It's about his power. And his power is received abundantly, exceedingly, uh, immeasurably more in worship. You come weekend after weekend after weekend after weekend. You open your heart to him, and he just opens his heart to you. And so you come here, and you look around, and, and you think, well, these guys are a little rowdy in their worship. They got their hands up, and they got their wiggle on. <laughs> and you think, you know, these guys have invested a lot. I mean, we have... One, two, three, four, five, six, about six different worship venues every weekend, 10 different services in two different languages. And we've invested a lot. We've invested our very best to offer you the most authentic experience of Jesus every weekend when you come. We believe that excellent worship honors God and inspires people. So dads and moms, you want to lift your children up? Let them see you worship with all your heart. It lifts people up. Excellent worship honors God and inspires. We want you inspired. We want you to be lifted up by the spirit of the living Jesus. We want him inside you and filling you to overflowing so here's the Word of God. So let us, I mean, He is creator, and so we come and worship. But look at this. Let us be thankful. We are so grateful for what He's done, for what He's doing, for what we fully anticipate He will do. Let us be thankful then because we receive a kingdom. That's where worship takes us. We flow along in a current that takes us into an unshakable kingdom where you get an unshakable marriage, unshakable finances. We may take some blows. We may suffer some hits, but we keep moving forward to victory. Let us be thankful then because we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be grateful and worship God in a way that pleases Him as opposed to a way that pleases you. If you come and say, David, that music's too loud. It's not about you or your ears. Here's some toilet paper. No, I, I get called into churches to do consulting where they're having conflicts or Let's just worship wars. And I tell them, 
The issue is not the issue. This is the issue. Who gets to be in control? You and what music you like and how loud or soft or fast or slow you like it. The songs you like, the preaching you like. It's not about you. It's about God. So what is, I mean, I tried to answer the question as quickly and concisely as I could. We worship him because he's creator. We worship him because he is worthy of our gratitude because of his goodness. But but what is the kind of worship that pleases God? That's not about me or it's not about you. What is the kind of worship that pleases God? Well, we don't have to guess on this one. Biggest book in the Bible is a book of worship. It's called the book of Psalms. 150 chapters. And it's all about how to worship when you're broken. And how to worship when you're whole. And how to worship when you're down and out. And how to worship when you're, when you're just doing life great. And how to worship when you've been rejected. And when, how to worship when you found the love of God. It's how to worship through anything all the way to the superabundant life of Jesus. Now, you might imagine that the book of Psalms was not written in English, but originally in ancient Hebrew. Throughout the Psalms, we see the word praise, 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 praise in English, but there's a different Hebrew word every time. I want to share with you the seven different Hebrew words for praise. Here's number one, halal. We get our word hallelujah. Yah is God's name. Halal means to praise, praise God, but it also, but it means here's how you praise. You rave. Has anybody ever been to a rave? I'm, go, I'm about to go body surfing right now. Get ready. You rave. You boast. You celebrate. What's the greatest celebration you've ever been a part of? What made that celebration so special? That's how you are to worship, and you are clamorously foolish. It pleases God. God loves it when you get a little crazy in your worship. Get out of yourself. Get over yourself. No inhibitions, no restraints, no restrictions. You open all that you are to God in worship. It's good to get a little crazy with God in worship because he's gotten crazy loving you. He has blessed me like crazy, so I worship him like crazy. He has forgiven me like crazy, so I worship him like He has cleansed me like crazy, so I worship him like crazy. He has favored me like crazy, so I worship him like crazy. He has blessed me with all that he is in Jesus, and so I worship him with all that I am in Jesus. It's okay to get crazy in worship. I mean... You're going to get crazy this afternoon watching football. And you know what I wish? I wish sometime, just like you act when you go to a football game live and in person, I wish you'd come to church without your shirt on and not, not have the name of your team, but have J-E-S-U-S. Yeah. Okay, keep your shirts on. But get the J-E-S-U-S going. Get a little crazy because God has gotten crazy loving you. Uh, Here's the scripture, book of Psalms. I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise halal. I will get clamorously foolish before you, Lord, and before all the people. 
This is a promise, my son Wilkie, if you don't know my family, I have an adopted son from Haiti 16 years ago when the Haitian government and the American government agreed that he could leave there after years of struggle and all kinds of money and come to America as our son. We made a deal, Wilkie and I did together, that at every opportunity we would worship God before the great assembly. We would get a little bit crazy telling people how good God has been to us. Now, the second uh, Hebrew word is Yoda. No, that's a little green guy. Yada, worship with extended hands. And so when you come here and you see people with their hands like that up, you know what that means? When your football team scores, what does the referee do? Victory. That's what this means, victory. And so maybe you come and you see me with my hands in the air. It's because I am thanking God for the victories that he's won in my marriage. I'm thanking God for the victories he's won in my emotions that he redeemed me from the pit of despair and put my feet on the higher ground of abundant living. Or maybe you come and I've got my hands in the air. Right now I'm in a financial fight of my life and I'm thanking God for winning this battle while I'm in the middle of it. Or maybe you come and you see somebody, me or somebody else, with their hands in the air as they sing, as they worship. That's an indication that they know there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a fight. It may be all-out war against me, my relationships, my finances, my life, my emotions, but God's going to win that battle before I get to the battlefield. And so I'm thanking Him for the victory, victories that He's won, victories that he's winning, victories that he's yet to win. And here's the scripture. I will praise Yadah with my hands upraised, O Lord, with all my heart. I'm offering my heart to you, Lord. The next Hebrew word is Barak. And Barak looks like this. At about 810 in my office this morning, I uh, got down on my knees put my face on the carpet of my office and humbly cried out to God for help. Lord, these people don't want to hear from me. They want to hear from you. I am not worthy. I am not qualified. You have qualified me to preach. Give me your word in the name of Jesus. That's humble worship, and that's the kind of prayer Jesus answers every time whether you're worshiping him humbly or with your face to the ground over your marriage or your money or your emotions. It's Yadah worship. And here's the word of God. Praise Barak, the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. So every night when I lay down in bed beside my Debbie to put myself to sleep, I recite those words. I learned them this way. Bless the Lord, Barak, the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. And something inside me just urges itself toward the Lord, all that is within me. Barak, his holy name. And when I get up to pee through the night and go back to bed, pull the covers up, Barak, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. The, the, the next Hebrew word that we find in the book of Psalms is zamar. and has to do with plucking the strings of an instrument with joyful expression. 
And so, man, we love to have every kind of instrument possible uh, played with excellence to express our love. And we do it with joy because we're thinking about how God, uh, good God has done. When Josh plays or any of these vocalists sing or, or any of the other um, uh, musicians play, they're not playing to you or for you. They're playing to God and for him. And we believe that excellence in worship honors him and inspires people, but it's according to his word. Use the instrument. Scripture says this, it is good, it's a good thing to praise Zamar with instruments, the Lord, and make music to your name almost high. Now, the next Hebrew word is shabak, and it means to shout, just like you will this afternoon when you worship the Packers or the Bears. I mean, your wife can be with you, you can have a house full of people watching with you, or you can be by yourself, and you're still shouting. You can be in a sports bar, and you'll shout. When we showed the Bears-Packers game here, I hope we never do again because the Bears lost. The hardest thing it took for me was listening to the Packer fans shouting when my Bears were getting their butts kicked. Here's the scripture. Because your love is better than life, because your love is better than a million dollars, because your love is better than getting married, because your love is better than having children, because your love is better than the next degree, because your love is better than anything, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you. I will shout out your praise as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Look at that again two times. It's already mentioned two times. There's going to be three. In a matter of seven... There was three times of lifting our hands in worship. The first is for victory. Todah is the Hebrew word, lift your hands in surrender. This is the international sign of surrender. I am, I am unarmed. I, I, I give in. I, I, I give up. I, I am yours. Now have mercy on me. And so sometimes if you see me, if I get done shaking all the hands and giving and getting all the hugs, and you see me lifting my hands in worship, it's mostly about surrender. Because I believe the victories that come only happen on the basis of my surrender. Surrendering my marriage, and I get victories in my marriage. Surrendering my money, and I get victories in my money. Surrendering how I feel, and I get victories in my feelings. Praise the Lord. Lord, I surrender to you. Here's the text. He who offers praise, toda, surrendering, glorifies me. Three times in the seven words, raise your hands in worship. Surrender and receive the victory. Now, the last, song, the last one is my favorite um, because it sounds like one of your favorite things. Tehillah. And it has virtually the same result. If you get enough of it, you start to sing exuberantly. <laughs> Here's the Word of God. I will extol the Lord at all times. His tehillah, His praise, his, my exuberant singing to Him will always be on my lips. Well, that kind of fits too, doesn't it? Um, so I've talked to you about why we worship and how we worship in a way that pleases Him. But let me culminate with who we worship. Let's look at the Word of God with me, Philippians chapter 2. God 
lifted Jesus high and honored him far above anyone, gave him a name above every name or anything, gave him a place above every place so that all created beings in heaven and on earth will bow in worship before Jesus Christ. That's who we worship. And call out in praise that he is Lord of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. And just to share with you how unmistakable God makes this, that Jesus is the object of our all-out, clamorously foolish, shouting, singing worship. He has put the title and person and activity of Jesus in every book of the Bible. Let me show you. In Genesis, first book in the Bible, Jesus is our creator. In Exodus, Jesus is our sacrificial lamb who dies in our place for our sins so we can live. In Leviticus, Jesus is our cleansing from guilt and shame. He is our wholeness for our brokenness. In Numbers, Jesus is our ever-present guide. In Deuteronomy, Jesus takes the curse of death for us. In Joshua, he's the commander of the Lord's army. In Judges, Jesus saves us from injustice. In Ruth, he is our redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is our giant slayer. In First and Second Kings, he is our King of Kings. In First and Second Chronicles, he leads us into God's presence. In Ezra, Jesus is the Word of God. In Nehemiah, he restores what is broken. In Esther, he is our protector. In Job, he is our healer. In Psalms, he's the shepherd of our soul. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is our purpose in life. In Song of Solomon, he is the source of all faithful love. In Isaiah, he's our prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he carries our sorrows. In Lamentations, he joins us in our pain. In Ezekiel, he is our coming Savior. In Daniel, he joins us in the danger and the fire. In Hosea, he, he never gives up on us and always takes us back. In Joel, he sends his Holy Spirit. In Amos, he is our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is mighty to save. In Jonah, he saves the worst of us. In Micah, he buries our sins in the deepest sea. In Nahum, he is our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk, he is our reason for joy. In Zephaniah, he is the warrior who fights for us and always wins. In Haggai, he returns all that is lost. In Zechariah, he he washed away our sin. In Malachi, Jesus makes us right with God. And that's just the Old Testament. I ain't done yet. In Matthew. In Matthew, Jesus is God with us. In Mark, he's the son of the living God. In Luke, Jesus is our Savior. In John, Jesus is God in the flesh. In Acts, he fills us with the Holy Spirit. In Romans, he makes us more than conquerors. In First and Second Corinthians, he's the power of God, the love of God for us. In Galatians, he's our freedom. In Ephesians, he gets us battle ready. In Philippians, he is our source of joy. In Colossians, he has supremacy in all things. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is our comfort and our coming king. First and Second Timothy, he's the leader of all leaders. In Titus, he's the best pastor. In Philemon, he's our closest friend and biggest supporter. In Hebrews, he's the way to find God's mercy and help. In James, he's the power of our faith. In First and Second Peter, he calls us out of darkness into his wonderful light. In First, Second, and Third John, he is our defender. In Jude, he is the foundation of our faith. In Revelation, he is the sacrificial lamb and the victorious lion. Jesus is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and more morning star. He is Savior. He is King. I love Jesus, and I will worship Him like I'm a nut job forever. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.